You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. My wife Annette and I had to run out of town this past week to do a quick funeral, so we just flew to Tennessee, did the funeral, flew right back. And uh, the funeral was in the church that I'd pastored years ago, 25 years ago I went there. And there was a guy who came up to me with a big smile on his face and he says, you remember me? And I said, oh, yeah, Ricky, I remember you really well. And he said, I remember the first time I came to church here. He said, I sat there in that seat, and it was like the hair on the back of my neck just stood straight up. I felt the presence of God so strong. And he said, I, I knew that God was going to do something in my life. I would never be the same. And so Ricky had chosen this path, okay? He was going this direction with his life. It didn't really involve anything that God was interested in, and, but he had chosen a path. But when he came to church and he heard the gospel story, he turned around and he started going the other way and he began to follow Jesus. And he's been doing that for 20-some years now. And so, I don't know, but there is something that is so attractive about Jesus that when people hear the gospel story, they are inspired. And they want to become a part of the story. Even though Jesus said things like this, if you want to follow me, all right, you can't be first. You have to go to the back of the line. And if you want to follow me and you want to be great, then you become the servant of everybody else. But still yet, billions of people, listen to me, billions of people have gotten in line and said, I want to follow that guy for the rest of my life. There is something about this gospel story that draws us. And so I've been challenging you to read this book with me, The Magnificent Story with James Bryan Smith, chapter 2 today. And here's the bottom line, okay? The magnificent gospel story inspires us to follow Jesus. And I just hear story after story after story of people saying, you know, I didn't go to church, I didn't know Jesus, and then one day I heard the story, and I decided... That was going to be my life because this magnificent gospel story, it inspires us to follow Jesus. So I want you to grab a Bible and open it to the gospel of Luke chapter 5. And I want to share with you a story, verse 1, of a guy whose name is Simon Peter. And he meets Jesus, hears him talk, witnesses a miracle. And from that moment on, Simon Peter says, I'm going to follow this man the rest of my life. And here's the way the story unfolds. So one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him. Now, this is what's going on in Jesus' ministry right now. He's got big crowds coming to see him. He's becoming very popular. There's a lot of talk, a lot of buzz about this guy whose name is Jesus from Nazareth. And they came to listen to the Word of God. So he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So they've been out fishing all night. Now they're washing nets. Boats are there. So stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, who he later says, your name is Peter, uh, to push out into the water. Now, like right now, I've got this microphone on, and we've got a sound system in here, and you can hear me pretty well, hopefully. But in those days, Jesus did not have a sound system. But he's got thousands of people coming. And so what he does is he creates a sound system by getting into the boat and going out onto the water because the water carries sound really well. 
And so he kind of makes a magnification system, all right? So he sat in the boat and he taught because in those days, that's how teachers taught. They sat down and everybody else stood up. So can you all stand and I'm going to have a seat and finish? No, okay. So he sat down in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. So when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, Simon, I want you to go out where it's deeper. And I want you to let down your nets to catch some fish. Well, <laughs> Master uh, Simon replied, we, we worked hard all night last night and, uh, and we didn't catch anything. Wow, but I guess if you say so, um, okay, we'll go let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that the nets began to tear. And, and the shout for helpers brought their partners in the other boat. Now listen to this. And soon both boats, they were so filled with fish, they were on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, basically a miracle, he fell on his knees right there in his boat, okay, and before Jesus, and he said, Oh, Lord, I realized, like, okay, this is a holy man, and I'm, I'm not a holy man. I'm a simple person. Please leave me. I think it's too dangerous for me, you know, to be in your presence. I'm such a simple man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. And so his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Hey, hey buddy, don't be afraid, okay? From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, big line coming, you ready for it? They left everything. The boats, the nets, the fish, everything. And they followed Jesus. So a lot of you would say, hey, Rick, there was a day in my life when I was so impressed with Jesus. I heard this incredible story. It got to my heart. And I was willing to walk away from everything to be with him. And there might be some others saying, hey, Rick. There was a time in my life that when I was so impressed with this gospel story and with Jesus that I wanted to walk away, but I don't know I didn't. There might be somebody saying, I'm in a season of my life right now that I am blown away by Jesus. And deep down, I think I really want to walk away from everything and follow Him, but I don't know, I'm just not there yet. But I think about it. What would it be like if I followed Jesus. Hey, I want to tell you a story, okay? I just learned a story recently about a, a girl whose name is Timony. Never met a Timony before. Timony said, I raised, was raised going to church. I went to church every Sunday of my life. And so for Timony, growing up looked like your day is looking right now. On Sunday morning, she was doing what you're doing. She was in church. She said, I wish I could tell you that those stories and my memories of church are bright memories. They're not. She said they're dark memories. Really? Church is a dark place? She said, for me it was. So Timothy says that I remember as a five-year-old little girl, my whole church gathered around me 
They anointed my head with oil. And they prayed God's protection over me. I was going to go for the first time to meet and spend time with my father who lived in Canada. And they prayed as if my father was the son of a devil. Turns out my father was actually a really good guy. He just didn't go to our church. And he wasn't part of our church, so he was considered an outsider. And she said, anybody who wasn't a part of our church, it's not that you went to church or they even said you love Jesus. You needed to be in our church, not to be an outsider. She said, I guess that first visit went okay because for every summer after that growing up, I went to Canada and spent the summer with my father, and I loved it. We did things I never did at home. We watched television. I learned to water ski. Being with my dad and his family was a blast. But she said, back home in Texas, in my church, you didn't ask your parents for permission. You had to go ask your pastor. She said, I remember asking my pastor if I could be in the marching band. And he said, absolutely not, Timothy. You would have to wear pants to be in the marching band, and you're not going to wear pants. She said, we couldn't do things like wear flip-flops because that would expose our feet, and that would seem inappropriate or modest. She said, the fear always was that we would give in to sexual temptation. That was always the talk. And she said, once in a while, one of my girlfriends would give in to sexual temptation, but from that point on, she was shunned. She couldn't come back to church. The message was, Jesus only died once, and you only have one chance at forgiveness of sins. And she said, really, I mean, they never came back to church. They weren't welcome there. Timothy said, even as an adult, if you wanted to apply for a different job, you had to get permission from the pastor. Or, if you wanted to take your family on a vacation out of town, you had to submit to the pastor and ask him if it was okay what your plans were. And sometimes she said, the pastor said no. Timothy said, that was my life. I didn't know much about God because I was mostly confused. The one thing I was for sure was that God was very angry. He was an angry God. And she said, the other thing that I was concerned about was because I'd watched a movie with my dad before I left Canada, I was sure I would probably go to hell if I died. Timothy said, uh, they didn't want us to be friends with any outsiders because they would be a negative influence on you. Even if we had family members who were not in the church, we were encouraged to break all ties with them because they could be a bad influence on us. And Timothy said the day finally came when I left the church. I was in my early 20s, and from that point on, nobody in the church ever had any contact with me again. And I understood it. They were keeping the rules because now I was an outsider. I don't want to leave you hanging there, so let me just tell you there's some really great news to this story. Timothy talked about how God pursued her and loved her and tried to work with her through the confusion of her past and finally some friends came to visit her who had also left the church but were attending church she said i didn't want to go to church because i didn't want to follow the god that i was raised with why would you want to be a part of him but they kept insisting while we're here visiting you in newark we want to go 
visit a church. And finally she said, I agreed and took them to church. And that morning the sermon was about people who had been hurt by the church. I could not fight back the tears. And she said, although my life morally was not going the right direction, and one morning a year later I walked out of my boyfriend's apartment, that terrible walk of shame, after we had partied together that night, she said, I looked up at the sky on that Sunday morning, and I said, God, where are you? I don't like the person I've become. And she said, instead of going home, I went back to that church where I heard that loving message, the other gospel story. And she said, I wasn't dressed for it. Had on a short little party dress. My makeup was smeared and my hair was a mess, but I didn't care. She said, I was surprised when the usher walked me down to the second row. Why wouldn't you hide me in the back of the church? But they were trying to say to me that I was welcome. And that morning I said to God, I don't understand my past. But I need you in my life. And just like that, I fell into the arms of a loving Jesus. I've been encouraging you to read with me this magnificent story by James Bryan Smith. And James Bryan Smith says, and you've got to lean in here, okay? He says, there are shrunken gospel stories that don't inspire us to follow Jesus. So it's not the full gospel story. It's like the shrunken gospel story, okay? A much less story. And that's the story that Timothy grew up with in her church. It was a shrunken gospel story. And so what Smith does, and I want to do this for you quickly. I want to summarize two shrunken gospel stories. The first one is hers, okay? Here we go. Number one, it's the shaming gospel. The shaming gospel basically says this. You're bad. God's mad. Jesus took your beating. And if you try harder, you might get to heaven. That would be the shaming gospel. So let me make sure you got it, okay? You're just a dirty, rotten sinner. That's all you are. God's as angry as all get out with you. Jesus took your beating, thank the Lord. And if you try really hard, probably not, but you might, get to heaven. It's a shaming gospel. And some of you would look at me this morning and say, Rick, you don't need to describe to me a shaming gospel. It's the gospel story I grew up with. Now, what you have to admit to yourself is that there are elements of the shaming gospel that are true. I have sinned. Jesus did die on a cross for me. But it begins to break down really quick because if I'm not, you know, confused, best I remember John 3, 16, it was not God's anger that drove him to give his son Jesus on the cross, but it was his love, right? Right? For God so loved the world, not because God was so angry with the world, right? God so loved the world that He did what? He gave His only Son. That when you believe in Him, that you would not perish, but have eternal life. And it also denies the power of Jesus' death and the conquering of evil. And it also denies the power of the resurrection. Because it doesn't say that you really have been raised to this new life in Jesus. And you really are a new person living in the power of the Spirit. But here's what it does do.
it leaves you in control. Because if you can somehow figure out a way to be good enough, <laughs> then you can save yourself, basically. Is it a beautiful story? Absolutely not. Is it good? No. Is it true? No. Does it inspire you? It does not inspire me. It incites fear. And in the shaming gospel, I only follow Jesus because I'm afraid not to. So, he kind of goes to another extreme, and then I'll be done with him, okay? But he says there's the do, works, the do good rather works gospel. And so, in this gospel, to be a Christian, it means that you would be a good person, and that you do good things, okay? You engage in things like social justice, because... God himself is not really involved in our everyday lives. The truth is God is uninvolved. And it's really up to us. I mean, think about it. I mean, it's up to you and me to make this world better. So this is the do good works gospel. So to be a Christian, you're going to be a good person. You're going to do good things. You're going to be a good neighbor. You're going to engage yourself in social justice. Because God really isn't involved in any of those things, and it's really up to you and me to make the world better. That's the do good works gospel. Now, let me talk to you about it, okay? They would deny on the extreme end of this the power of the resurrection, that Jesus really wasn't raised from the dead, that you can't take his miracles literally. They never really happened. And what you do is you allow science, good solid science, to replace all of your silly superstition. And here's the problem. Science and reason and social justice does not offer a transformation that allows social reform to stay reformed. It cannot change a person's heart and it cannot forgive sin. But here's what it can do. It allows you to remain in control. It's up to you to save the world. It's up to you to make the world a better place. Is it good and beautiful and true? Absolutely not. Does it inspire? No. It is too small. Because it says my friend back in Tennessee, Ricky, that I told you a minute ago where his life was changed, it says that can't really happen. Maybe he was just overcome with emotion or something. And that Peter probably really wasn't overcome at what Jesus did that day because that probably really wasn't a miracle. And that a person really can't be changed. And that God doesn't change anybody's heart. And you can't live in the power of the resurrection. But when I hear another story, it does inspire me to follow Jesus. And it's a story that says God loves. God loves me so much that he gave his only son, and that Jesus Christ was crucified, and he was buried, and on the third day, he did rise from the dead. And that resurrection power that brought him from the dead is available for me and you to live a raised life with him, and we really can be born again, and we really can be changed. Now, that gospel inspires me to follow Jesus.
have a friend who called me the other day, and he said, I've been talking to this guy that I met recently, and I've been praying for him, and I want to buy him a Bible. So I bought him this Bible, and he told me what Bible he bought him. And he said, so I'm writing some stuff in it, and I want to encourage him to start reading the Bible. So I was just thinking out loud with you a little bit here about, so where should I tell him to start reading the Bible? And I said, the Gospels. Because what you want him to do is come to know Jesus. Because Jesus is attractive. And Jesus inspires. And the magnificent story of the gospel of Jesus can change a person's life. And so when I think about Simon Peter, okay, what, what happened to him? What did Jesus say in the boat? And when he saw the miracle, what happened with Simon Peter that he said, you know what? I don't care about anything else right now. I'm willing to walk away from everything. I'm going to follow that guy the rest of my life. And, and this is his response, okay? My life will never be the same. It's going to be different. And, and, and we respond in the same way by leaving everything like Peter did, following him in order to become part of that story. So how did Peter know that my life will never be the same and he was blown away by Jesus? Look at his response. Okay, here we go. Simon Peter said, you know what? This whole deal of casting my nets on the other side makes no sense. I'm a professional fisherman. My training would tell me not to do this, but because you say so, I'm going to do it. He bowed to Jesus in humility. Honestly, right now, I'm afraid to be in your presence because you are a holy man, and I am not. He left everything to follow Jesus. Jesus says, Peter, the big catches are going to keep coming. But from now on, they're going to be people instead of fish. You and I are going to work together, and you're going to become a part of my story. And Simon Peter has this encounter with Jesus. And he listens to him teach. And he sees what Jesus can do. And he is inspired. Because it's not a shrunken gospel story. It's the full gospel. And Peter says, from now on, I will follow that guy anywhere he goes. So, let me just give you one last line here. The full gospel inspires us because it is beautiful and it is good and it is true. Timothy's gospel she was raised with was it good was it beautiful was it true no the do good works gospel is it good is it beautiful is it true no but the reason this gospel has story has power in our lives is because it's both beautiful good and true so let me tell you a goofy story okay so i'm telling you now it's goofy so don't blame me when it's goofy all right so there's a story about a guy who goes fishing, and there are others out on the lake fishing and they can see him over here and he's having incredible luck He's got poles in the water on both sides of the boat. This one gets a hit. He picks it up, sets the hook, reels in a big, nice fish. He takes out from under the boat to see the pan, holds up the fish, holds up the pan, and he shakes his head no, takes the fish off the hook, and he drops it back in the water. This one's hitting over here. He sets the hook. He pulls it in. Big fish. He holds it up, holds up the pan, shakes his head, drops it back in the water. It's driving the other fishermen crazy who aren't catching anything. And finally, they just moved toward him in their boat, and they said, Hey! you got to tell us what's going on. You're catching everything. We're catching nothing. 
You're throwing them back. What are you doing? And the guy picks up his pan. And he says, the fish that I'm catching, they're too small for my frying, too big rather for my frying pan. Don't do that. I told you it was goofy. You knew it was. But, but I think it's got good meaning. Some of you have a shrunken gospel story. And it's been shaping your life. And it doesn't fit all the dreams that God has for you. See, the gospel is about your future and what God wants for your life and what God dreams for you. But you keep pushing it back because it doesn't fit your shrunken gospel. You grew up with somebody telling you, you're not doing it good enough. In fact, you may not be saved. Probably not. And others of you have been on the whole other end of the thing saying, I don't know, did Jesus really raise from the dead? Can he really change me? And Jesus has these big dreams for you. And you keep pushing it back because you've got a much smaller version of the gospel. And you've never lived the life that God has in store for you. Big, big question. What gospel were you taught? And what gospel do you believe? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about the resurrection? Will you stand with me? We're going to sing together before we go. And You know, I love to give people an opportunity to respond. I feel like, you know, God talks to us. And then what do we do with that? I don't, I don't like just walking away. I feel like it's really good when we say, okay, God's talked to me. So now I'm going to, I'm going to respond to God. So there's lots of ways to do that. We do it through music. We do it through prayer. Sometimes we make commitments to Him. Could very well be, though, that you're saying, Rick, I believe that I'm not living anywhere close to what God dreams for me. Because my version of the gospel is way too small. But I want to believe that God loves me so much 
that He would actually give His Son to die on a cross, to be buried. But on the third day, He rose from the grave. And the same power that raised Jesus from the grave can raise me to a new life. Jesus talked about it's like you're born again. You get this whole new and better life. I want that life. I want to believe I can have it. So this morning, if you want to pray, I encourage you, please come to a very friendly place, an altar. And all that's here is just a place to pray, just a place to meet God. We'll have some pastors who'll be glad to join you here if you want to go to one of them and say, pray with me. Or you might want to take the hand of a friend or a family member and say, go pray with me. And it could be that you're wanting to pray about something else, like something you're going through in life or somebody that you want to pray for or maybe it's a sickness and you want a pastor to pray with you. It doesn't matter. You can come and pray. So if God's talking to you today and you want to respond, I think now is the time. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.